me tell you a little bit about myself, and then we'll hop right into the text. Sound like a deal? Awesome. Great. Everybody's nodding. That means everybody's still with me. Okay, so like I said, my name's Aaron Wright. Uh, my wife and I run a financial coaching business in the area. Uh, I have no background in finance whatsoever, though. So about two years ago, coming in June, my wife and I got married. Uh, we have a five-month-old Chloe, and I went to Bible college. Can you believe it? Can you believe people still go to that place? <laughs> I went to Bible college up in Wisconsin, a really small Bible college called Northland Baptist Bible College. Okay, if you've heard about it, it would really concern me, okay? Because <laughs> there's like 400 students or so that went there, so um, my background's in biblical languages, so that's what I enjoy. That's, that's my end game, really, so that's why I do the business I do. It's really like a gospel ministry to the kingdom, but my end goal is to get back in the church full-time and then not have to pay my bills, sort of like how Felix has to work two jobs, you know, and he has to minister to you guys and work, wouldn't it just be great if there was just like a paycheck coming in every month and he could just spend all day, every day with each of you? Now, some of you are probably shaking your head like, no, I don't want him to be in my house. I don't want him to be at my biz. <laughs> you know, maybe something like that. <laughs> Why don't you just lie to me and tell you, yes, that'd be fantastic. I'd love it if Felix was around all the time. <laughs> so that's kind of our, uh, that's really our vision. Uh, my wife and I have a really big heart for people. We love discipleship. I mean, that's really where we feel like the Lord's gifted us. He's given us spiritual gifts to do that, I believe. Uh, we get to plug in. We actually go to Padre Island Baptist Church out on the island. So we're small group leaders out there. So for whatever reason, in God's green earth, people thought I was equipped to lead a small group. I don't know what they were thinking. So, but no, it's a, it's a super blast. So we're going to be digging into Mark today. So let's hop right into the text. Uh, we're going to be reading from Mark 3.13. So if you have your Bibles, you've got your iPhones, you've got your iPads, take them out and flip to it. All right, and everybody, let's all stand in honor of God's word. We'll read this together, okay? And we'll be starting in Mark 3.13, and then we'll be going through verse 21. And the Bible says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Thanks, you can be seated. Lord, we're just so thankful for this time together today that we get to look at your word. And Lord, thank you so much for the book of Mark, and I thank you for the time that we're going to get to really dig in here. And Lord, I ask, uh, it's just afternoon, but Lord, I would just ask some of my brothers and sisters here with me today um, that your spirit would be moving within them to change them to look more like you. And Lord, if there's somebody here who's never heard of the name of Jesus or who's never been familiar with the gospel, Lord, would the message preached today point them to you? And most of all, Lord, would we be a witness to them? so that we can love on them and we can show them what it means to be a kingdom citizen. Lord, we love you. We commit our time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're still really early on in the book of Mark. Okay, you guys have been in the book of Mark for a couple of weeks now. So the beautiful thing is, since we're still early on, I still get the luxury of going back to the beginning and doing a flyover. Okay, so everybody bear with me here. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to the very beginning and let's just make some observations here. We're just going to kind of picture everybody, get all up in your biblical, theological, big ickle words. Get up in your helicopter, okay? And we're looking down at the book of Mark, and we're getting ready to do a flyover, and then we're going to get closer, 
and then we're going to do another flyover, and then we're going to get even closer, and then we'll find ourselves in Mark chapter 3, okay? So at the beginning, let's just take a quick peek here. We've got this guy by the name of John the Baptist who comes into the picture, okay? And immediately, if you're reading this book, if you've got an ESV translation or any other translation, you get this kind of feel like Mark's a little ADHD, like he's just like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And if you're reading it, you're thinking, man, I don't know how old this guy is, but he needs to take a course in literature. Like, he seriously needs an English course because he's not, like, doing anything except sticking and between this story and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And you're like, goodness gracious, Mark, when are you going to slow down? It's like, well, I got 16 chapters and then I can slow down. So we get this idea of John who comes in and John just hits it really hard. Okay, so you're reading this. Picture yourself back, oh, give or take 2,000 years. And you've got this gospel in front of you, and you're trying to understand who this Jesus character is. And this John the Baptist guy introduces him in great fashion. He pretty much says, this guy is the real deal. Okay, everybody who's come up till now has talked about him. Everything in your Bible, if you're holding a Bible, everything before this book is talking about this one guy who's about to come, and his name is Jesus. So Jesus begins his ministry. You can see in verse 21 of chapter 1, he really starts to kick things off and things start to get really controversial. Okay, so just imagine you had a brother or a sister or a cousin who comes into this world and says, I'm the son of God, and then does something crazy. Like, let's just say someone has a walk their whole life, and he says, stand up. And the guy stands up, and everyone's just like, did you guys just see this? This guy just stood up in front of us, and he hasn't walked his entire life. And everyone's like, okay, that's pretty cool. Word travels really fast. Now, in verse 21, what he does is there's this guy who's demon-possessed. No one can control him. He's doing all these wild things, and Jesus says, get out of him, and this guy becomes in his sane mind. Now, if that's not crazy, I don't know what is. And then he starts preaching. Oh, and by the way, the thing of the day called leprosy, do you guys know what leprosy is? Think of like patches of skin all over you, and it's just all pussy and all nasty looking. Okay, so this guy had this disease. And, okay, so if I had that disease, would anybody want to stand close to me? Let's be honest. Nobody wants to stand close to me. Probably like, all right, buddy, you should probably, like, take a step back. All right? Well, believe it or not, in Jewish culture, if somebody had leprosy, all right, they had to yell, like, the minute they saw somebody, like, 500 yards away, unclean, unclean at the top of their lungs so that nobody would get close to them. And Jesus, this guy who's making people walk, who's doing all these incredible things, walks up to the guy, touches the guy, and the guy's leprosy is completely gone, okay? So you're starting to get a feel for this Jesus character. He's probably a little bit wild. Like, he's probably not your average Joe. Okay, so he's doing all these things, and now there's one character, Jesus. Okay, are you guys still in your big old choppers? You're in your airplane? We're flying over top? Okay, so our first character we're coming across in the story is Jesus, all right, our next character we're starting to encounter is sort of like the enemy to Jesus. All right, so the enemy to Jesus are the Pharisees and the religious teachers. Okay, and they're going to be something that we need to make note of because we're going to come back to them later in Mark. Okay, so since you guys are going through the book of Mark, take a little asterisk, okay, you know, a little, little one of them stars. Stick a little star in your brain and lock that baby back in a filing cabinet, okay? The religious leaders are sort of like Jesus' opponents. Okay, now we're getting, here's something that's going to be very relevant to our text today. We get to this guy by the name of James and John, okay? And Jesus walks up to them. And let's just imagine I walked up to Cameron. I go, you know, Cameron, you've been fishing your whole life. Um, Follow me. You're not going to fish anymore. Okay, I'm going to make you fishermen. Let's go. And he just stands up, drops everything, and says, follow me. You're like, wow. Okay, so there's this guy, Jesus, 
who's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's doing miraculous things. And now he's starting to pick people out who he wants to invest his time in. Okay, can we agree that people who have done anything great have never done it by themselves? They've always had a group of people who've done it with them. Hey, think of somebody, right? Who's done something great in the past century? Right? I'd say Bill Gates did something pretty good. He made a computer the size of a football field down to a, well, he didn't make this. Don't tell Steve I said that, okay? Steve Jobs would be really angry about it. But he basically had brought a computer and he put two of them in everybody's home. Okay, can you imagine somebody doing something great like that all by himself? No way, he had a team who did it. So coming back to scripture, this guy, Jesus, he's getting ready to take everything that he knows, everything that he is, and he's getting ready to take that and teach it to people. Okay, sort of like a great teacher. All right, so now he's starting to call these people out. And the thing that's so relevant to our text, so I just read to you a narrative of all these lists of names, 12 names to be exact, of all these different people who Jesus is going to invest his time and energy into. And the question we should be asking ourselves is why? Okay, why did Jesus choose these 12 and why didn't he choose anybody else? Okay? Have you guys ever thought about that before? There's all these different people in Scripture. Why is it that somebody like Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, why is it that Mark chose to talk about, you know, Jesus called two people, and then he calls Levi, and then we get to chapter 3, and then he calls 12. Okay? And he, he brings them all together into 12. Why is it that he chose the first two, and then he chose the one, and then he talks about the 12? Okay? That's something we have to answer from the book of Mark. That's something we should be kind of like perking our ears up to. Now you might be saying, Aaron, why are you trying to perk my ears up to scripture? Okay, let me just be very, I'll be very direct with you. Will you guys let me be direct with you today? Will that be okay? Okay, great, awesome. Thank you for your permission. If you didn't give it to me, I'm gonna do it anyways. <laughs> okay, okay, the reason Jesus does that and the reason that Mark does that is because Mark is trying to make a point. Okay, now here's what I mean by that. Let's just say I'm telling you a story. And I'm telling you a story, and I'm going like a timeline, okay? So here's the beginning, and I'm going through, I'm going through. Whoop, I take a pause, and I take a step back, and then I tell you a fact that happened earlier on. Would you be drawn to that fact? You'd be like, oh, yeah. Why, why did you tell me that fact then and not way back then? Okay, and I keep going on in my story. Ooh, okay, this is really important. Check this out right here. And I even said that in my story. You guys are probably going to kind of scratch your head and go, okay, that's important. Why is it important? Keep going on with my story, okay? Oh, here's another important point. We want to make note of this. Oh, but remember what happened back here? And you're like, he keeps coming back to the same point. This point that happened in the story must be very relevant. Okay, that's exactly what he's doing with the disciples. Now we have to ask ourselves the question, why is it that Jesus is making a point of the 12 disciples in chapter 3? Okay, so now we're at our big flyover. Okay, we're, we just finished our per- first Passover. We've answered the question, why? You guys know the answer? Why is it that Jesus is making a point of the disciples? Here it is right here. The reason he makes a point to talk about the disciples here is because there is a theme that we need to make note of for the rest of the book. Okay? Now look with me here. Look at your Bibles down in verse 13 of chapter 3. This is something that's very interesting. And if you're reading the other accounts, so over in Matthew as well as in Luke, when he's talking about calling the 12 disciples to him, he uses something here that's not necessarily super but it's something that we look at and kind of scratch our head at a little bit. Notice what he says when he calls him. He says, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Okay, so that's something that we should probably make note of. Why is it that Jesus desires these people? Okay, so 
let's just kind of take a step outside of Scripture and let's go back to the illustration I used with Cameron. Why is it that I would choose Cameron in just an illustration? Well, I know Cameron's name. Okay, so I met him. I used him. But let's imagine there's a big crowd of people listening to Jesus, and all of these people are just a bunch of average Joes. Okay, so we got, let's say, 5,000 average Joes. And then we've got maybe 100, 150, or 200 people who we would look at and go, those people are special. Okay, they're great public speakers. They're intelligent. Their grammar's pretty good. They, they, they look smart. They dress nice. Their clothes look pressed. They look really good. And then Jesus turns to those 150, 200 people and says to them, the law and the gospel are right in front of you and you've ignored it. And he takes his focus off of them and looks at the big crowd. And he says, the gospel has been given to you. And then he takes 12 of them, pulls them aside, and takes them up to a mountain. And he says to them, I'm going to teach you what it means to be a kingdom citizen. Okay, do you see how special that is? Would you say that's probably pretty special? 5,000 people or more following him. He takes 12 of the least qualified people, and he decides to invest his time and energy into them. Okay, that's pretty crazy. Would you say that's probably not exactly, like, if Jesus was running a business, that's probably not the smartest business move. <laughs> like, he probably should have picked up, like, the Pharisees, right? He's like, okay, all right, so you really know the law, let's bring you on board. All right, so you really understand people, let's bring you on board. Okay, so you really understand, like, numbers, you can crunch the numbers so that when I speak to people, I maximize my space, you know, I make sure I get a big place, because we don't want people standing outside or anything, because if we have people standing outside, and someone tries to lower somebody through the roof, that would be a bad idea. Okay, so if you're familiar with Mark, that's later going to happen. It's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Your, your game plan's not what we anticipated. We thought if you're doing these miraculous things, you're going to get miraculous people. You're going to get super special people. You're going to get the most gifted of the gifted because those are the people you should be spending your time with. But in fact, what we see is the exact opposite. Why in the world did Jesus choose these 12 to invest in and not anybody else? Okay? Let's, let's think about that for a second, all right? Before we go on, I want you to think about it. Why did Jesus choose these 12 and not anybody else? Okay. All right. Let's just stash that away. Let's put that in your little memory cabinet, okay? So we've talked about the powerful Jesus. We've talked about what his mission and his purpose is. It's to preach the gospel to people, and he does miraculous signs. We've made a little bit of note on the Pharisees and kind of their part in this role. We've talked a little bit about the crowds, and let's pause for a second and think about how does Jesus interact with the crowds? Would you guys say that he reacts like he loves them and he cares for them, or he hates them and he despises their company? Which one of the two? What do you think? Does he love them? Everybody should be nodding your heads. Jesus absolutely loves the crowds. Okay? So now on the opposite side of that, the Pharisees, <laughs> do the Pharisees love the crowds or do they kind of despise the crowds? They kind of despise the crowds. And here's how we know that. Okay? And I'm just going to kind of give you a little cheat sheet. Okay? And you're just going to have to forget I told you this. Right? Later on, you're going to see the Pharisees saying really cynical things towards the crowd. Like, how could they follow the simpleton Jesus? Why would they follow a guy who picks 12 average Joes to follow him. Those are the kind of things the Pharisees are saying. Okay, so isn't it interesting that Jesus picks 12 people who are just dum-dums? I mean, these guys are dumb. Okay, so if you're going to keep preaching through Mark, you're going to be like, man, that Mr. Aaron guy, he spent a whole sermon talking about 12 dumb guys. What was the point? Okay, like really, what was the point? Because every time we're going to read about the disciples in Mark, we're going to see this contrast 
between the disciples and what they should do and the disciples and what they really did, okay? (laughs) And what do they usually do? I'm kind of spilling my candy in the lobby here, okay? What they're supposed to do is they're supposed to show faith. They're supposed to show, hey, Jesus, you picked me? That's awesome. I will follow you. I will love you. I will serve you. And then think to the cross. When we get to the cross, guess who shows up for the party? None of them. They're all just completely gone. Isn't that crazy? Like, Jesus spends all this time with them. He tells them about faith. And then they don't show faith ever. Okay? All right, so now we want to take that thought, and I want to flip it on its head, okay? Let me ask you that question. Why are you here today? And ultimately, if you're a believer, why in God's green earth did Jesus ever choose you as a son or daughter of Christ? Why? Does it make a lot of sense? Okay, so for a perfectly holy, a a perfectly awesome, a perfectly perfect God to choose you, if you have one bad thing that you've ever done, you have just made yourself unworthy of what Jesus has done. Okay, so Jesus chose you. Does that make any sense? If we think of it apart from love and we think of it apart from grace. Is, Is there anything that makes sense in that? The smartest person in the room here could not make sense of that. There is no way. If someone stood up and said, I can make sense of that, I am worthy of, and list out your hundred things, Jesus could say to you, oh, you remember that one time you did this? And you say, yeah. Say, sorry. The only kind of people I bring to myself are perfect people. Okay? Isn't that probably like the suckiest news you've heard today? (laughs) You are a big, sucky person. (laughs) (laughs) right? Congratulations, you're the biggest sucker in here, all right? (laughs) Every one of you, let's all put our hands up, okay? Everybody put your hands up. Just make sure you're listening. Put your hands up, okay? And here, and I want, I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me, okay? Congratulations, everybody with their hand up. You suck more than anybody else in this world, okay? And my hand's up too, okay? So now what that makes you is that makes you the most unworthy person to accept anything that Jesus does for you, Okay, are you guys starting to get the idea that this is really bad news? This, that's bad news, right? <laughs> but don't worry, there's good news attached to that. Okay, because if the, good, if the gospel stopped there, every one of us should walk out of here now, take our car, drive it as fast as we possibly can, and crash into whatever God's green earth we want to. Because we have no purpose in life apart from Jesus. Okay, so the bad news is you don't deserve it. The good news is Jesus freely gives it to you. Isn't that crazy? Just like Jesus called the 12 disciples to himself. Now, let me bring it back to the text here. All right, now, I don't want you to base your salvation on this, but I'd like you to answer this question in your heart. Why is it that Jesus chose me to give the gospel to those around me? Notice in verse 13, it's the same thing to you. It's because he desired you. That's not for you to ask the question, why does he desire me? It's simply for you to answer the question, what am I going to do with it? Okay? All right, so I've kind of hit you guys with a little bit of a hammer. Okay? What that means is if you do nothing with it, even if you say you love Jesus, all right? Let's use me for an example. Let, let me ju- let's just say I stand up in front of you say, and I say I love Jesus. Jesus is the best. Jesus is the best thing in the world. And I leave here, and I don't love you. I don't love your brothers and sisters. I don't love anybody. How much weight does my word carry? Go ahead and say it. How much weight does my word carry? None. Everybody's shaking their head. None whatsoever. None at all. 
the book of James talks about this. You know, James and the disciples. Okay, so think about it. If you say you love Jesus and you don't serve him, you do not love Jesus. Okay? If you say you love Jesus and you do not serve him, you are not Jesus' child. Okay? Nowhere in scripture are you going to get a pat on the back that says, I'm living in sin. It's totally okay. God still loves me. Because everywhere in scripture what we see is we see the gospel of what I just told you, that you are unworthy and God is totally worthy and he loves you. Everywhere we see that, we see the command to repent from where you're at and turn around. You can do that as many times as you need to. There is no tally. God doesn't keep a tally mark. Oh, well, Aaron repented again. Uh, Hey, ten more, buddy. You're going to strike out. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, got another one. Messing up again. Messing up again. He just keeps messing up. Why does he keep messing up? Ooh, he did it right. We'll get one over here. Hey, look at that. We've got 15 wrong and one right. (laughs) That's about how it looks, right? (laughs) Maybe your ratio is a little bit better. Maybe you've got one-to-one. Maybe you are just really cleaning up your act. Okay, but the point being, if you say you love Jesus and you don't serve him with your whole heart, nowhere are you going to be able to go to Scripture and answer the question, yes, I'm still saved. Because everywhere you're going to come to in Scripture, you're going to be confronted with the reality that God loves you, God died for you, and if you do nothing with it, you're not his child. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's a little bit harsh, isn't it? So what that means is if you're listening right now and you're thinking in your heart, you know, there's something in my life I know does not please God, and you want to hold on to it, don't expect to hold on to that and to still be called a child of God. Okay? Because God, okay, so that's bad news. The good news is, as much as the mistakes as the disciples made, so for the rest of the book of Mark, all the disciples are going to blow it every time. When it looks like they got it right, Jesus is going to be like, you missed it. You totally blew it. Like the time the kids try to come to Jesus, and the disciples are like, oh, let's do the right thing. He's in the middle of teaching. Let's get those kids out of here. They're really distracting, right? And Jesus says, what are you doing? Let the kids come to me. And they're like, well, Jesus, you know, we're just trying to help you. And, he, and then he goes on to teach them, okay? They're going to blow it for the rest of the book. But if you keep reading, thankfully, the book of Mark isn't all we read about the disciples. Think to Acts chapter 2, okay? The Holy Spirit comes into people's hearts. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit throughout Mark. The Holy Spirit comes, and these disciples who are total screw-ups start to do miraculous and powerful things. Their life starts to look different, and everything changes, okay? That's the same exact power of God that lives within you. No excuses. He doesn't sort of live within you. He doesn't half come to you. He doesn't say, well, you know, you gave me something, so I'll give you something. You know, you gave me a little something, something, I'll give you some something, something. It doesn't work like that. When you come to God totally broken over your sin, God gives you 100% of himself right at the get-go. And when you screw up, guess what? 100% of God is still waiting there for you to repent. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that absolutely mind-blowing? That is nuts. Okay, so let's back up. Let's go back to the story. Okay, so we're thinking of this narrative. Jesus just brought these disciples on, and he's getting ready to teach them what it means to confront the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Okay? Now you say, Aaron, why do you tell that to me last? Okay, because next week, Felix is, Felix is really just going to bring it home. Okay? So I'm just kind of opening the crack of the door. You see a little sliver of light. And you're like, oh, finally, what in the world is Jesus going to say to people who say something controversial to him? Do you guys want me to tell you? 
what does Jesus do with people who are controversial? Do you want me to tell you? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> You're going to have to find out next week when Felix preaches. <laughs> so, let's do, let's do a quick recap. Okay. Why did Jesus call the disciples to himself? Because he desired them. Okay. Now, thinking in the book of Mark, why is it that Mark chooses to tell us about these 12 guys in the way that he did? Because he wants to point out to you that there is nothing special about you apart from him doing something. Okay? Is everybody with me on that? That's why Mark is telling it the way he's telling it. Okay. If you have never heard of the name of Jesus before, if this is your first time hearing Jesus dropped around, uh, that's okay. That's totally okay. If I just gave you the worst news in the world and you've never heard that before, let's talk about it after the service. Okay? There's a, lot of people, there's a lot of people here who like to talk about Jesus. All right, so if you came here just to do church, you came for the wrong reason. <laughs> okay? You're going to be sorely disappointed because this isn't what church is going to look like in your mind. Okay? But if you want to talk about Jesus, let's talk about Jesus. Okay? And if you want to know more about what it means to repent, like maybe you're thinking, you know, I probably screwed it up either last night or this morning. You know, I, I just did, I know I didn't do it right. The best news I can possibly give you is the Spirit of God is right there, and He is ready to show you what it means to repent. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that absolutely amazing? Oh, it just blows my mind every time. Every time I, every time I mess up, you mean I can ask for repentance and God loves me? That's a whole other sermon, but yes. Can you believe that? Can you believe that God would do that every time? No strings attached? Do you know why? Because Jesus took it for you. That is absolutely incredible. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for our time today. Thank you so much for the power of your word. And thank you so much, Lord, for the book of Mark. And Lord, as we meditate on the 12 disciples and we meditate on what's to come, Lord, I ask that you would give the people of this church a desire to read your word. And Lord, I ask as they read, you would not let them just be people who read it and then close the word or turn it off. And Lord, I ask that you would allow it to be scripture that they would read, they'd meditate on. And Lord, these aren't just stories you put in here for us to know something, but Lord, this is something you've put in there for us to change and to look more like you. Lord, thank you so much for the introduction of the disciples we see here. We look forward to hearing from your word next week, and Lord, I look forward to sharing the good news uh, of what you've done in my heart, and I look forward to hearing uh, the good news of what you're doing in these people's hearts today. Lord, we lift our time up to you the rest of the day. In Jesus' name, amen.